White Sox. White Sox. Go, 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 go. Call your sons. Call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yeah. He picks a perfect game. Red Echo. Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Locked On White Sox. I'm your host, Chris Tannehill. Herb Lawrence will be with me in just a second. What you're hearing today is part two of our conversation that we recorded for yesterday's show. Uh, we are brought to you today by our friends at Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app and find one of our Locked On rooms. All right, so on the other side of a quick timeout, Herb Lawrence will be back with me, and we will open up the mailbag next here on Locked On White Sox. Locked On White Sox is brought to you by Green Room. Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Herb and I will be hosting the Locked On White Sox room soon. Yes, you can finally join in on the conversation as you listen to us every day. Green Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Green Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to the big news or rumors. You'll have a chance to chat with us and may even have a chance to be featured on the Locked on White Sox podcast through our Green Room conversations. So go download the Green Room app now for free. Currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and sports. I can't wait to join you guys on the app. I'll be sure to let you know once the Lockdown White Sox squad is ready. Download the Green Room app today. Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, Herbie, should we open up the bag? Let's do it. A lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. And we love your emails. We love reading them. We love responding to them on the show. We love transcribing your voicemails and uh, the odd things that the algorithms do. Uh, but if you are a Locked on White Sox podcast listener and you want to talk to us, you want to reach out, how can they do that, Herb? Send an email to LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. That is LockedOnSocks at gmail.com for your emails. They can be about anything. Doesn't have to be just about the White Sox or baseball. We'll read them all. Not all of them make the show. They do not, but uh, a lot of them do. And uh, shout out to Mike Victor, real real quick, uh, one of Definitely. our favorite uh, listeners. Sorry, we are picking favorites. He's one of our favorites there, so I think I put that disclaimer on it. But he wanted to know if uh, any of us needed an, uh, an extra Moncada bobblehead. Uh, but I think my guy Pete Hand has locked that down for me. So I was talked to him in uh, Milwaukee. I think he secured that. Unless, of course, Mike wants to donate that to the, the prize bin, which we don't actually send out. But we were accumulating prizes in the event that we want to send them out. Uh, we've we got bobbleheads galore that we've never actually sent out, so maybe we can do that. But uh, thank you, Mike. You're such a generous gentleman. He was out at the game uh, Saturday, but uh, he said the atmosphere was electric. And uh, this kind of piggybacks to the next email here. This is Andy from the Burbs checking in. And, uh, hey, guys, for my mailback question, I was wondering if you guys had any opinions on the behavior of certain Sox fans lately. 
Example, booing on the pickoff attempts, booing Tempura, a.k.a. Tempura, during his debut, and most recently, this past Sunday, someone throwing something onto the field of play during a game. I, side note, I believe that was Mercado from, from uh, Cleveland who said mm-hmm. that someone threw a bobblehead at him. Uh, I, I, yeah, so um, personally, I find it annoying as and especially now that the Sox are in more of a national spotlight, stuff like this just makes us look classless. Thanks, Andy from the Burbs. Yeah, Herb, you've been out more times than I have to the to the G rate. Uh, how can uh, you evaluate? How do you evaluate the fan decorum so far this year? Uh, the the booing on the pickoff, I don't mind. That was something that stuck around. I think that goes around everywhere in all the ballparks. Mm-hmm. Like after the pandemic and people weren't out of their house, like people were just looking for an excuse to just yell anything at, at things happening. But uh, how would you rate the, the, the fan experience and the fan behavior that you've seen at the ballpark recently? Because I can't really speak to it as much as I'd like to. Personally, I have not seen anything untoward as far as the fans' treatment of each other or uh, of the people on the field. Um, I've seen them, of course, on Twitter. I've seen the fights that have been happening in the stands. I'm not a fan of the Cup Snake. Have your fun, whatever, as long as you're not interrupting other people's funds, uh, fun. Throwing things ever on the field to a fellow patron out of pocket. Not a fan of that. I hope that person got a charge with uh, assault, uh, attempted assault, something like that. A battery. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. My girlfriend's going to be one. Ooh. Whatever the one that is. Um, but as far as booing your own players like Tapera, if you're not booing, like the only reason I can say, all right, booing is justified here, is you see a player not giving 100%. Lollygagging it like Brian Goodwin was. Lollygaggers. On the pop up to left field where he only gets a single because he missed first base, boo him there. But, or if he makes a uh, base running mistake like Nelson Cruz did versus the White Sox, a booing is letting that person know, hey man, that's not accepted here. You got to go all out, you got to do the smart play. But booing Ryan Tapero, who's trying to get these guys out, he's trying to get these guys out, and that ball was murdered. It was absolutely crushed. And for him, after. Facing those three batters, you didn't think he felt bad? What is your booing of Ryan Tapera going to do for Ryan Tapera? Like, what you want is better performance from Ryan Tapera. You booing him is not going to be like, okay, these fans want a better performance from him. Yeah, these guys who are booing me, who are putting me down when I'm at my lowest point, I'm going to work out for them. F them. Instead, you don't need to cheer him, but... Booing him does the opposite. It's I don't know what type of effect you want there. That is a net negative thing. You booing him. It shows that I don't know. Like he was his first damn appearance and you're booing the guy. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. He was a cub. He's not by choice. Come on, guys. Let the man be on the team and fail sometimes without you. Give them some derisiveness. It's ridiculous. Yeah, think about if you if you messed up at work and you're someone who doesn't mess up or you're new at a gig and you mess up and your boss just comes down on you uh, immediately. You know what I mean? Like doesn't give you the benefit of the doubt. I think that's the situation we have here. The Tapera thing, I did not I did not appreciate that. And I was watching that game. And it's just, you know, it's a lot of pressure coming over uh, to a winning team. And when you get traded, although he's staying in town, 
uh, just going from uh, you know one side of town to the other. But there's still so many things weighing on a guy's mind during that that period. Ryan Tapera, I almost call him Tempura. I think we just should change the name. I want to get a Tempura jersey now, <laughs> just to salute Ozzy. But when you're talking about guys that are in, in trade rumors all year, and we knew Ryan Tapera was going to be one of the guys to get traded. Like you, when you, when you look at a, at a team like that. You, you, the first pieces to go are often those bullpen pieces. So this is a guy that finally gets the closure and he knows he's going somewhere, and all of a sudden you're in a packed house on the south side on a Friday night versus Cleveland, and that's a, a pretty good pressure spot to be thrown into when your anxiety level is already pretty high because you want to make a great first impression. So I was not a big fan of that. It reminded me a lot of the early days of Adam Dunn. It's like whenever he did anything, oh you know, they were just – Sox fans, like they just find guys with, with, with who they just have – a built-in like want to to boo someone for whatever reason, whether it's they make too much money or they think they don't hustle or they're a former Cub, whatever. Pick your reason. Uh, you know, Ryan Tapero was just you know again these these Friday night crowds sometimes are they're a bit rowdy and that that's fine. Uh, enjoy yourself, have your fun. But yeah, I, I was not appreciative of that. Uh, to, to welcome Ryan to pair like that because you know we I do believe this is a good fan base man we know that you guys are a good fan base and you're smart and you're supportive but when you act like that and don't give the guy the benefit of the doubt I mean you know that's just and the thing is I think we're gonna need Ryan to pair that's why yes. it was good that t- Tony got him back in the game yes. the next day yes he didn't come through he let a couple of inherited runners go through but he cleared out his inning without any runners of his own scoring so not good but better than the first performance. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna need this guy. So let's lift them up instead of putting them down. Yeah, I, I agree. And I know they're adults and they're grown men and they make a lot of money and they should be able to deal with it. But like, I come on, I, I think there's a certain uh, you know. Not a line you cross, but like you know, I think you can give a man a little bit more leeway than booing him on the, his first appearance. Like, would you? You probably wouldn't have booed Craig Kimbrell. I'm guessing. Because he, he's this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer, and you know, I, I don't think you would have booed him because that's your that's your big ticket item coming over, and you know, you, there's a lot of pressure on him, you know. But you you wouldn't boo him, but you boo poor Ryan Tapera, you know. So I, I just think there's a, there's a double standard there, and I'm not saying don't boo poor performance. That's not what I'm saying. But when a guy's just coming over and his life's been you know basically turned upside down with a trade, um, not so much as where he has to move, but still, you know, it's it's a lot of pressure there. A lot of anxiety so give them the benefit of the doubt and, and i i think all will be forgiven forgiven and forgotten you know ryan Tapera will probably come in tonight's game and uh and, and have a nice clean inning and he, everyone can move on from that but that type of stuff is what i worry about big picture in terms of the, the, the people's want to come and play for the south side it's a good fan base but stuff like that gets around friends i'm telling you like i can these players talk you know, and I th- I worry that that's something that uh, you know maybe it's just a former Cub thing. It's no excuse, uh, but again, it makes it even more senseless that that that's what it was. If that if you know, because because there's guys that have been out there performing worse at times and they have not gotten uh, that type of reaction from Sox fans. So yeah, let's let's be more supportive, huh? Like yeah, let's let's let's, let's try a little bit harder in that regard. But as far as the other stuff. I find it gross, like the fighting in the bleachers, just blah. You know, um, I am looking forward to getting out there for my first Cubs-Sox game uh, in a few weeks, and we'll, we'll talk mm. about that. Um, but, yeah, that, that's going to be a good time. But, yeah, it, it just happens, too. When when you get more people at the ballpark, you're going to have more of a percentage of people uh, that, that are acting wild, and especially mm-hmm. coming off the heels of the pandemic where a lot of people have been cooped up and they don't know how to act. Like, you know, it's – you know, I, I wish it wasn't part of it, but, you know, this is one of those – Good problems, I think, Marlo Stanfield, because you have more revenue coming in to your team. 
you know, the, the expectations are raised, which I think is important. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I can't speak to it though. Like, as I said, cause I've not been out there enough to really gauge. Cause even if I was out there once or twice and I wouldn't want to gauge it just on my one experience there, but just from the stuff that you see on social media. And again, social media is one of those things that amplifies things good or bad, you know, like just because you see something on social media doesn't mean it's happening uh, all the time. And it's a, an, an indicative of, of, of how it is every day. So, but yeah, I, the fighting in the bleachers, I don't think that's ever going to go away. You, you get the bleachers where you're sort of separated away from the action and lots of free flowing alcohol. That's going to be a problem in every stadium everywhere, because I believe ultimately people are people and they act the same no matter where you go. So, but yeah, thank you, Andy, for checking in. I know that was way, way too deep uh, on the psyche of Sox fans, but I believe no one's more uh, equipped to speak about it than Herb and I, because we've seen a lot and we've been to a lot of games and we, we feel like we know the fan base anyway. Um, what do you think? Should we check in uh, with a voicemail here, Herbie? Let's do it. Yeah, it's 312-566-8727. That's 312-566-8727. And we've got an old friend here returning. Hey, Chris and Herb. Mark in Litchfield Park. Uh, nice win today. Walked one off. Um, thankfully, it was a win. Um was thinking we were going to see Crochet in the 10th again. But uh, I wanted to ask you guys about the top six in our order over the last couple days. You know, on Saturday, they're 5 for 27 with one RBI. Today, 3 for 21 with one RBI. 14 Ks over those two days. It wasn't very pretty. Uh, expect more production out of those guys, but um, not getting it. And speaking of more production, uh, you know, taking a closer look at Mankata's numbers this season, you know, he's up to 108 strikeouts uh, with nine home runs, 12-to-1 ratio, which I don't think is very good at all. Um, I don't know when this guy is going to arrive and, and stay there. Uh, it seems to be one step up, one step back with him. He's not very consistent at all. So uh, also wondering what you guys thought about Tapera, if this is just – you know, a throwaway. His two appearances weren't very good either. So, um, just wondering your thoughts on the weekend. What's going on? Thanks. He's an awesome singer. <laughs> yeah, um, ladies and gentlemen, of the weekend. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you as always. Yeah, he's uh, about. Let's start. The Tapera. order has been bad. Let's just order. talk. Let's talk about Tapera first. I think we just kind of addressed that a little bit. Yeah. Right. I think Ryan Tapera is ultimately going to be fine. You know, yeah, bullpens are so volatile, and who knows? Maybe he just has a bad half of the year, and it happens to be in a Sox uniform. But you know, we've seen him pitch enough where I think he'll he'll bounce back to form, and he'll you know the, the numbers don't lie, and he can get people out, and I think he will continue to do so uh, once things level off, and you know he gets that first good outing under his belt. Just he needs one good night, and things will fall back in, in, into form. So that's that's is that how you feel about Ryan Tapera, generally speaking? Exactly. Okay. So go ahead. You're, you're the top six you're talking about. I was just like, most of the team after this All Star has been struggling. We're not hitting. You know, sometimes you get that hitting's contagious and so are slumps. So I, in my heart of hearts, think that this team eventually will hit, especially when you get Aloy back to 100 and Luis Robert, and then that team just keeps on rolling and Yasmani. So I'm not worried too much about the top six and Mancada specifically. 
Not at all. I mean, he's having a season that I didn't expect, but also I didn't know what to expect from him after the 2020 season where he had COVID. And maybe I don't know what the long haul effects of these, uh, this uh, virus is. So I think if Mankata wants to be a top 10 player, he can be a top 10 player. I think most of it is coming from himself. And if he wants to decide to do it. So sometimes you see a lack of days effort on defensive side. I'm not sure if he has it on the offensive side, but I would like him to swing a little earlier in counts on, instead of getting these uh, called third strikes all the time. So I just think sometimes he has a lack of focus. It's not all the time because we see the talent. It's there. It's a hundred percent there. And so I just want Yohan to be the best player that he can be and understand that he can be a top 10 player and eventually MVP of this league if he just puts himself and dedicates himself to this craft. Yeah, and in terms of the top six, I think you're, you're dead on. It, depending on who's in those top six will be interesting. I, I, in terms of where Moncada's been hitting in the order, I think that's a guy that could benefit once Jose Abreu starts to heat it up again, and I think he will, August is typically his best month of his career uh, year by year. I think maybe you put Yohan Moncada back up at that at that two spot there and, and see how, how he fares there because we know he's had success there in the past, and that was one of our storylines we talked about in the offseason is Tony and, and his structure of the lineup and where he was putting Yohan Moncada. Um, we thought maybe that he would they would turn him into more of a run producer by hitting him fifth. Uh, that has not necessarily been the case, but you know he is a guy that when he is not going right, he does look like he is is sort of half-assing it. But I think that's just his style. Like his style is not that he's lazy, but he's so smooth out there, and he's not a very emotional guy. He often appears though as if he doesn't care, and you got to be careful with stuff like that. And it it it, you're, it draws the fans' ire when it looks like you don't care. But I assure you that the, these guys all care, um, and. You know, just I, just anecdotally, I think maybe the the shuffling of the batting order and where he's hit, and you think of the injuries that they've had on this team, maybe he's putting a little more pressure on himself uh, to to produce, and that's never a good thing. You know, before Yoan could just be Yoan, and he could have Abreu behind him and an Eloy behind him, and and he could just do his thing because this is not a guy that's going to lead the team in, in home runs ever unless he totally sells out. I believe he, he could, but he, that's not his game. This guy's an on-base guy. He's a line-drive gap hitter, and I'm cool with that because in in the, the lens of the lineup and how it's structured, you need a guy like that in, in the lineup to get on base ahead of these big boppers once they do all return. So I think maybe it could be a combination of all those things, um, but I did do a little bit of research here, and, and the data points a lot to what you were saying, Herb. Um, he's not actually really having that bad of a year. Now, you, it's hard when you look at the 2019 Yoan, which is by far his best year as a pro. Um, but, you know, maybe that's a career year for, for anyone, and maybe it's unfair to hold him to, the, to that standard, although I believe the potential is there. And you see him do it once, why can't he do it again, right? But if you look at just the, uh, the, some of the metrics and, and peripherals here at Yoan, you know, so far this year, um, in, in terms of what he's doing at the plate, it, it's not a, a bad year. He's still hitting the ball with a max exit velocity in the, in the top 80 percentile. Um, you know, walk percentage is still 95th percentile. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the expected weighted on base average, 77th percentile. Um, and he's the chase rate is still it's 77th percentile. So he's doing well in a lot of those areas. But when you look, there's uh, some more things, too, that are actually it, it's – 
goes against to what our eyes almost were, were telling us and certainly what Mark's eyes seemed to be telling him. The strikeout percentage is actually down from last season. Now, you could take last season and throw it away because of the COVID stuff, and he was never truly himself, but the strikeout percentage is down from last year, and the walk percentage is up from last season. He's taking his walks, but the difference here is what you were talking about, Herb. The first pitch swing percentage is down from last year. Last year, he was at 30%, and when Yohan was healthy and he was playing, he was hitting the ball hard and he was hitting it for power, um, so he was 30% first pitch swing percentage in 2020. He's down to just 19% this year. So an 11% drop in pitches, the first pitches that he's swinging at. And you and I believe that when Yoan is being aggressive, he's a much better player. Yes, he does happen to know the strike zone very well, but when he's attacking early in the count and jumping on those first ball fastballs, and again, this is a byproduct of the guys hitting behind him too, when you have an MVP behind you, you're going to get a lot of those first pitch fastballs and they're going to tend to not dick around with you as much. They're going to try to get you out so you can't get on base uh, for for Obreu in front of you. Um, and if you look at what's been the big problem for Yoan this year, he's had a lot more difficulty with the changeup this year compared to his best year in 2019. So they're getting him out more on the changeup, and I think that's a byproduct of hanging around in at-bats longer so you get to see more of a, a pitcher's repertoire. Um, and he's striking out more on the changeup, hitting it less often, um, and he's only slugging 254 on the changeup mm. versus, get this, in 2019, versus the changeup in 2019, Yoan slugged 589. So he he knows how to hit the changeup because he did it very effectively in 2019, but this year he's he's not doing that at all in comparison. So maybe the league is making that adjustment to him and he's got to adjust back. Um, and also just anecdotally, the launch angle is down a, a couple of, of ticks here uh, compared to last season and the year before. So he's the launch angle has changed, which maybe would explain the, the lack of power. So I don't know if that's something that they, they look at as maybe an anomaly and something that you don't really focus on. But yeah, I think at the end of the day here for Yoan, you just want him to, to be more aggressive early and not wait around and leave the at-bats in the hands of the umpire. How often do we talk about that on this show with, with so many of these guys, but Yoan in particular, how often do you see it looks all of a sudden like 2018 Yoan where he hangs around, works a nice lengthy at-bat, and, and you're ready to say, hey, that's a great outcome right there until he's a, a victim of some good pitch framing and some bad umpiring, you know, and he gets called out like with a, with a change-up per se on the outside edge or a fastball on the outside edge where he doesn't have particularly good coverage. So Yohan would do himself a lot of favors by, I think, swinging earlier in the count and still just don't, don't totally change your approach. Still take your walks, but I think the power production will come by jumping on those the first pitch fastball there when, when he gets those pitches and, and adjusting to that changeup because that's been the, by far in terms of they, – they, they throw all types of data at you here if you, if you, if you want to find it. Like, there's so many things you can look at here, but those are just the things that, that you know resonated with, with my – amateur eye here and, and big differences between when he was most successful and this year where he's still relatively successful. He's not having a, a bad year. I don't think it's time to panic nope. about Yohan Moncada whatsoever because he's, he's still uh, by and large doing what he does. But yeah, we all would like to see the power numbers jump up a bit, but I think that'll be a byproduct of having more firepower behind him in the lineup and where he hits in the lineup as well. So uh, we appreciate you, Mark. Uh, hopefully that answered your question there uh, about Yohan Moncada. Uh, let's see what else we have here uh, kicking around in the, in the old mailbag here. Let's see. Do I have any more questions? Okay, yeah. Uh, this one, Pedro in Ann Arbor checking in. 
hey guys, at what point do we start asking Mr. F the home run some questions? Mm. This is only quasi-rhetorical. I'm actually curious how much an impact you guys think a hitting coach should be making and how much of a failure to adjust midseason falls at his feet. Pedro and Ann Arbor. I know this is sacrilegious here to to point any fingers at uh, Frank McKino. How you doing? Um, but uh, what do you think about the job he's done? We were praising him a lot earlier on in the season uh, when he came out, and we loved the soundbite. Fuck the home run. Um, and the Sox were winning without the benefit of the long ball. But I think now we've had the whole month of July, and I know you had the all-star break in between there. Uh, so it's not you know totally uh, what you would like. But it, by the time we look at the Sox team by the end of August, the ball should be hit out of the ballpark more frequently. And I, and I think that still will happen, but it has not really happened as of yet on the big picture. We did talk about it, though, a while ago. The For a 30-game stretch or so, the Sox were hitting the ball out of the park uh, more frequently than anyone, and they were winning uh, to, mm-hmm. go, to go along with that. But lately, the home runs have not necessarily been there. So uh, just a general baseball philosophy for you, Herb. Salute. I'll salute the general. Um, how much – blame credit do you often give a a hitting coach i think i know the answer to that but uh generally speaking so we know how to frame our response here well how do you look at hitting coaches and their value to their teams i actually give hitting coaches more crap hitting and pitching coaches more crap than i would give a manager but i'll give frank minichino some praise Yes, the White Sox are not hitting home runs. I think they have hit 115 home runs in the year, which is like 20th, 23rd in the league. But the object of the game is to score runs, and the White Sox are the sixth best team at doing that in the league. So I don't care how your runs come. As long as they come through a process that is true, fine, score your runs. I know that it is an anomaly for you to not hit home runs and score all these runs. I know that is not natural, but I also know that the White Sox are, when they're at health, at 100% health, are a home run hitting team and will do that as we have seen in uh, spurts. They're going to be good, folks. Home runs will be going out of the ballpark very soon. I mean, we've been seeing more home runs in lately than we had seen in the first couple months. So rest assured, we're going to be seeing much more home runs when Aloy gets back and be becomes Aloy, we saw in Kansas City. Come on, guys. That's four what four sixty home run he hit. It's just the tip of the iceberg. He's coming back. Luis, I don't think had any or like two when he was injured. He's gonna hit some home runs. Abreu really hasn't done it. Moncada hasn't done it. Timmy's doing a decent job. And Yasmani was just getting heated up with home runs. So, and we know Cesar Hernandez is going to rake. He's he's raked and hit bombs all year long. We've seen he's our leading in home runs, right? Still, or yeah, tied tied tie, tie with Abreu, right? So yeah. they're tied. So we're yeah. good. We're good. I'm not worried at all. The White Sox are good offensively, and I, that's why I've been thinking about Frank Minichino. I know that you know the home runs are the thing we look at the most, but you might be right in this in this regard. Yeah, and generally, I, I you know I don't put too much credit or blame at the hands of, of a hitting coach or a pitching coach you know they're by and large the hitting coaches you know pitching pitching coaches I think yep. do a lot more like the, but the hitting coaches is they're most often uh, like a psychologist to a guy and they can provide you with all the data and they can have all the video queued up that to make you successful but it's up to the hitter to actually utilize those tools. Now, again, that what makes a good teacher versus a great teacher? A great teacher is a guy that's going to, or gal, it's going to make you 
intake all that information and make you realize, you know what, I think I should evaluate this closer. Now, sometimes baseball, it can be paralysis by analysis here. So, you know, maybe maybe it's one of those situations. But, you know, Frank is not telling these guys not to hit home runs, I assure you. You know, he, he may have said what he said, but what he meant was the home runs will eventually come if you're doing the right thing and you have the correct approach up there. He was talking specifically about Andrew Vaughn when he said – Fuck the home run. But I think that philosophy – holds true for anyone in baseball. Home runs often, when they come, they'll come in bunches because you're not trying to hit them. You know, you just have to do the right things at the plate and, and the power will, will come. I, I just, I, I do think they will hit for home run power when, when, when you finally have Eloy back on a consistent basis. You saw even for the brief spurt right there, you know, he, he didn't look great at the plate, but when he connects with one, it changes the, the dynamic of the game completely. A three-run homer, that's the name of the game in the postseason. Like, I, I don't worry about this team all of a sudden selling out and trying to just only hit home runs. I think it will benefit them in the postseason if if they do have all their healthy guys back in the lineup. And, you know, you can, you can pick your spots for this stuff. We saw that in the postseason last year. You know, most of the runs, I feel like, came from the home runs, but when it was time – you know, to, to score runs. Otherwise, they were able to do so. Granted, they weren't uh, able to advance past Oakland last year, but you saw a bit of a mixed bag. You know, the, the thing that, that will get this team to the World Series will be hitting home runs, and I'm not worried about them doing that when, when time comes because it's very much a feel thing, and the guys that are in this lineup right now, most of them are not home run hitters. I'm, I'm surprised, to be honest with you, Tim Anderson hasn't tried for more power, but I'm not mad at that. You see him waiting back on the ball a lot longer to shoot it the other way. I love that. You know, you don't need Tim Anderson to hit 25 home runs for you to to, to uh, win a World Series. So, you know, it's all a matter of who is hitting them and who's not hitting them. I would like to see Abreu tick it up a little bit more, and Eloy, when he comes back, he can provide some power. But these other guys, I don't want all of a sudden everyone to try and hit home runs because that's been the the antithesis of what's gotten this team at this point. So, But I don't think Frank Menachito is at fault per se. I think the guys seem to love him. Abreu seems to love him, uh, actually. And remember, he was here last year too, old Frank Menachino. So uh, if you're going to criticize him this year, then you have to give him some props for uh, the work he did with this team in a short season last year. So keep that in mind as well. But uh, we appreciate your email, Pedro. And, uh, oh, wait, would you look at it? You know, you mentioned the big names. It's like his ears were ringing here. Look who's checking in. Yeah, Frank Medicino over here. <laughs> Fucking uh, hotter than summer Hayek's ass crack down here in Kansas City. Uh, Why is he still in Kansas ran City? Ran the B team out there today. Uh, not too good. Maybe I need to fall in love with the home run again. Uh, and Lowe's got beat today like uh, Talia Shire and the Godfather. It wasn't good. Jesus Christ. It was pretty. And... Uh, Jesus. My hitters, not too good against this KC staff. Not good. I don't know. Back to the home run. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Frank, for checking in. That was a, We didn't get a chance to get to that one earlier, but Frank obviously frustrated by that Kansas City series last week, and hopefully that's not the case this week versus the Royals. So um, that's all I got, Herb. That's, that's, I think that's all we have in our bag here. Um, yeah, you know, we have people complaining about – wait, you know what? We do have uh, – one more here that I, that I do want to make way for. This one's from the 708. Good morning from White Sox Ralph in beautiful South Carolina. want to let you guys know I'm sitting out here with Ozzy, the puppy, just <laughs> oh. basking in the White Sox victory, which was especially special for me because 
During the game yesterday, I was texting back and forth with both of my sons, one in Chicago and one we're seeing Wisconsin, just totally enjoying the game, uh, enjoying the victory, and enjoying you guys. Uh, just got my order in for some more from the grasshoppers. Uh, Build bars. So life is so good down here for me and all White Sox fans. And just enjoy the day because this is the beginning of good things for my first place White Sox. Thanks, guys. Bye. Um, you know, uh, Man, Ralph, Ralph is so happy and we're happy when you support our sponsors, Built Bar. That makes us happy. That makes me happy because I use them personally as does Herb and it, and it makes the network happy. So thank you. And I'm glad you are able to, to talk baseball with your sons. And that's that, you know, even though that was sent Sunday, uh, actually Monday about Sunday's game, but that's an evergreen voicemail right there. That's just White Sox positivity. I think we need more of that in our lives here. So I don't know what that is. Uh, positivity, yeah. That's, yes. that's not our. It's not our resting face uh, for White Sox baseball. But it's yeah, that's good to hear, Ralph. That's awesome. Yeah, and his dog Ozzy. Oh, probably a, a adorable little Ozzy. Uh, but yeah, one of your sons in Named race. That's Ozzy Virgil, of course. Uh, obviously, uh, who else? Uh, but yeah, I think that was a nice positive uh, note to end on here. And uh, thank you for supporting our sponsors. I had to counteract that because someone also hit up our voicemail saying that we have too many ads. Now let's start mess, mess, stop messing with our money now here, okay? I think that was Darren. Not that many ads at all. Uh, yeah, I think that was Darren. Uh, don't worry, Darren. Uh, uh, we will refund you the cost of the podcast as always. So come on, Darren. Don't mess with our money here. But I, I get what you're saying. But that's the flip side of that. Um, you know, Ralph enjoying uh, some of the sponsors' stuff uh, with Built Bar. So and I'm going to be down in South Carolina myself. I've already gone. You're down gonna there. you're gonna go unwind on Myrtle Beach time yet again. Again. Wow. Um, again, yeah, again. we went to the ballpark the first time, and there was no game. And then we're like, you know, Chicago's own Ed Howard. I know it's a Cubs guy, guys. Hey. Calm down. Hey, this is Herb talking about this w- is this locked on Cubs. I thought that was Joe Kilgallen, who hates everything. He hates our women. <laughs> My wife looks th- like a beauty. She's a smoke show. <laughs> no, insult, let's wear. Um, but, yes, I'm going down there uh, August 13th, the off day between the White Sox and the Yankees after they play the Field of Dreams game. So I'll be going down there to check out Ed Howard and then coming right back on Sunday. And her dad lives down there. That's why we get free lodging. That's the only reason it went down there in Spirit Airlines, too, because it costs like three dollars but oh. you can only bring yourself okay all right yeah I, I dig that maybe we should uh, reach out and talk to old joe for friday's show as a as a cub Sox primer Get, there's take, nothing wrong with that take his temperature and uh and see oh how he's God. I, I could not believe <laughs> man after all that winning and, the, and like two a month and a half ago man i couldn't imagine how cub fans feel man oh man well we'll find out i think Ooh, maybe you could set friends. that up and see if joe wants to tape thursday for friday as we yeah. preview uh Sox cubs there and i haven't got a chance to talk with joe personally yet so yeah i think that, that i think that that'll play here so uh that's all i and got he's probably much closer to you than he, than he is me i think he lives up there in the portage park area oh love the portage park yeah so yeah at least that's where he's from and also one of my uh, one of my guys andrew uh reached out to me you met him at the tailgate Mm -hmm. uh the brewer extraordinaire where we're trying to work out something with him uh he's got a couple of beers launching uh 
tapping uh, for, for White Sox themed uh, beverages. So we'll, we'll, we're going to reach out with him. We're trying to maybe do something where we go see him at, at his spot, Pixie Beer on uh, North Milwaukee Avenue in Logan Square, and uh, and and talk White Sox and sample some of these Sox themed brews. So maybe that'll be down the down the road here. But uh, yeah, man, lots of lots of fun stuff. And I think it's time to start talking to some guests again. Uh, not sick of you by any means, but it's just a uh, fun times here. Now let's do all the things that we wanted to do over the course of the season before real baseball gets underway. So uh, that's all I got. It's locked on socks at gmail.com and uh, voicemail 312-566-8727. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. You got to sign up for the email and text alerts with Built Bar like I did because then you won't miss out on limited flavors like what they have right now. Grasshopper cookie it's built bars version of the classic thin mint cookie that you guys all know and love all the flavor without that sugar just 150 calories 17 grams of protein and just five grams of sugar i'm down 24 pounds now thanks to built bar been getting those bad sweet treats out of my life replacing them with built bars and it's worked great as a matter of fact i just got my shipment in of my new favorite flavor german chocolate they are outstanding they're 180 calories 17 grams of protein only five grams of sugar and just four grams of net carbs and i only got them because i signed up for their email and text alert so as soon as my favorite flavor was back in stock and that's the thing about a lot of these flavors they sell out quickly i was able to get in there and get my box of 18 before i go on vacation so now i won't be without them even on vacation and there's flavors for everyone at buildbar.com coconut cherry barcia raspberry mint brownie double chocolate salted caramel strawberry orange cookies and cream there's so many different flavors an endless variety of flavors depending on what your tastes are so order today get the grasshopper cookie or even raspberry or whatever you like built bar is the official protein bar of the u.s track and field team isn't that cool go to built.com and use our promo code locked 15 that's going to get you 15 percent off your next order that's promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com built bar it's the best tasting protein bar ever so we will be back uh, tomorrow. We will recap the the Royals game uh, from tonight. Uh, it's very confusing at this point, but we will we're, we're back to our recaps. <laughs> we're back to our recaps starting tomorrow. We'll we'll talk about that game that occurred last night. So uh, that's all I got today, Herbie. That is Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill. My name is Herb Lawrence at Eckerwall twenty three. Our show is at Locked On Socks. Thank you for joining us on Locked On Socks.